Hello and welcome back to a new episode of Bandwidth Podcast. Today I'm joined again with the lovely Laura, who you will have heard in episode 5 when we talked about the ultimate guide to music at university, where we spoke about our funny audition stories, our time studying music and our future plans. Today's episode is a little bit different. We're speaking about the sexism and misogyny women face in the music industry and in music education. This was an idea we actually both had after recording the first episode in light of the case of Sarah Everard, who disappeared and was killed in South London after walking home from a friend's flat in March this year. It was sad to see, however, that it took the death of a white woman for the news to take notice of these issues as countless black women and Asian women have gone missing before her and their names are not as widespread as hers. I just want to acknowledge that although we're both white women and talking about our experiences, we only experience the sexism aspect, whereas black and Asian women and women of all cultures, to be honest, experience the racism element on top of this. Feminism cannot be feminism if it isn't intersectional and there will be a link in the podcast bio full of resources from other feminists, articles and social media accounts to help you explore further. So today we're going to be talking about women in music and the sexism faced throughout most aspects of the industry. So first up is the education curriculum. Woo! I'm about to go off. <laughs> so I think I could probably count on like one hand the amount of like female lecturers or like probably had that are female because I got asked, I did like a, this wee interview thing with my, it was actually, I think it was our head of music this year Mm -hmm. and she was like so why do you think that there are normally more females doing undergraduate music but once you get to postgraduate and PhD it's more of a male-dominated space and I didn't know I couldn't think of an answer I didn't even know that that was a thing yeah so she was like trying to think of some reasoning and I there was nothing that I I couldn't think that's crazy yeah, I don't know if it was because maybe it's almost like a full circle. If there's a lack of representation at the top. And there's a then, lack of people wanting to get there. Yeah. Then, yeah. Which I felt bad about saying to one of the only female doctors of music in our <laughs> department. But yeah. yeah, that's, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess like there's the arguments for, you know, women have children and like people always love to bring the argument up um in any workforce like not even just education like any sort of field but I don't think that's a valid argument not I mean, at it, all. Could, it, it might be a reason for some people and if that's a reason that's absolutely fine but like I don't think that's a valid argument to that people might use against women who don't but I'm not sure actually thinking about that it could be an issue because you do a master's that's another year and then if you wanted to do a PhD that's like five years so by that point you're 28 minimum yeah or if you you, some people even take years out as well yeah which is fair enough because they're also so expensive but the cost by education is a completely other topic (laughs) 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 but um I guess 
I guess so. I um I know that a lot of people also wait and do their PhDs when they're in a full-time job and a company or a collective or a board fund funds it. Um like the old head teacher at my school, she was doing her PhD while I was in fifth year, I think. Um but she was like well into her career by that point. But I'm not sure if there's statistics on whether men get their PhD before women do or that could be interesting. Yeah, I don't want to use the term before women because it's not exactly a race to get a PhD. Yeah. People can do whatever they want to, but if the they get it, if there's an average of that men get it younger, possibly because of childcare commitments um or just stuff I don't know I suppose like thinking historically music is a very male dominated area oh yeah and I mean if thinking about it the cycle of women being in like higher education we're probably maybe like the second third generation of that being like a real like focus for women I'm pretty sure, now I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure we're in third generation feminism. Okay. From a timeline I looked at a while ago, but I could be very wrong in that. So please don't hold me to that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's definitely true. I think it's so hard to break out of old ways and tradition. Like once something is stuck, it's stuck, which is such a shame. Society is so society is so stubborn. So probably that like reluctance to let go of it will make it harder for women to get into it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, probably because like so much of the field is based on tradition that contemporary music is often looked as like kind of unworthy of joining the canon of like the great composers. Because it even said, I think this article I read that like Tchaikovsky and that and Chopin struggled or like at the time their music wasn't seen as being in that kind of area with Mozart, Bach, Beethoven whereas now we'd kind of group them in with that. Yeah Um, that's an interesting point I never heard that before either. I think music is like art in a sense because there's that phrase that people say about art where your art only gets famous when you're dead. Like, you know, when they talk about artists and painting. Like Vincent van Gogh and stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I think that term has a lot of parallels with music, especially, especially classical music. Yeah, especially considering they're an ML. White, upper-class, straight males. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting into it. I know. Well, yeah, because I had down classically... Composers, soloists, orchestra players, conductors, managers, agents, all male. Because women were seen as like, you know, they played the dainty instruments, they played the, you know, piano, and was harp considered like female? Yeah, I I think so. Harp, harpsichord, similar. Yeah. Because even, I remember at one point being taught that like, the flute wasn't even seen as feminine and then it became more feminine and dainty and then that's why more women started picking up the flute than men. I think the fact that you can put a gender on an instrument is is mad. I know and like I've kind of struggled with that 
Yeah, same. Because I'm a girl who plays the tuba. So, like, whenever people see me with the tuba, like, they'll see a man with one and not say anything. But I've had so many comments um, being like, oh, that's a big instrument. Or like, Like, yeah. yeah man <laughs> I was like are you sure you can carry that or it's like things like that um but they would never say that if it was a boy yeah probably one of the least quote-unquote daintiest instruments oh I know <laughs> it's, it's anything but dainty but what can you do I know I feel like I like with percussion I mean it's kind of I don't know if it's necessarily seen as a masculine I feel like, like area one because like from what I've witnessed, tuned percussion seems to kind of be, I don't want to say gender neutral, but like there's sort of no pinned gender on it in people's assumptions because there's so, it's such a wide like set. Mm. But then kit, definitely. Male. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, one or two drummers. Yeah, I know. I feel bad because I think when I started percussion, I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, breaking these gender stereotypes I wanted to play kit and then it just got to the point where I actually didn't enjoy playing kit oh no <laughs> I was like damn but I, I I don't know like I remember when I first started playing tuba I was like wow I'm gonna be so cool I'm gonna get to join all the orchestras in school yay and that's all I really thought about because I went to all girls school so I didn't really think about any of that stuff and then when I started doing brass band and stuff and I would go into a section and I would consistently be the only girl it I was just like oh maybe there is a sort of like spectrum and maybe I'm on one side <laughs> when I started Bonacard I always thought I was like oh, she's pretty cool because she plays the tuba <laughs> like hey, that's what like, like 16 year olds <laughs> in like a section of all men you were like then, double my height because yeah. I was a small kid, yeah. And you were just like, yeah, I've got the lung capacity to probably blow this harder than you and play louder than you. Yeah, I literally remember my first ever brass band rehearsal. I walked in and Jen, shout to Jen, love you, Jen. Um, <laughs> miss you. But like she came up to me at the end of band being like, oh, I hope we decide to come back. And I was like, oh yeah, maybe. Surprise, I went back. Um. But she remember me like, oh, I just think it's so good, especially since you're a woman as well and you're playing. And I was like, oh, wow. And like, I'd never been told that sort of thing before because I, I'd never been exposed. Ugh, exposed. It wasn't that deep. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I'd never really had to think about the fact that I was a woman playing shoe yeah. But yeah, I remember my first brass band rehearsal. Um, we were playing a march. I think you were at my first one. Really? Uh, I think so because it was prep for the Fife and I remember you were at the first Fife contest I was at and we were playing a march that I think that was that was definitely though my first experience of ever being like oh maybe it's unique that I'm a woman who plays tuba maybe that makes me different in some way which is weird because there are there are a good few female tuba players and I met I've met some amazing ones and played with some amazing ones and it's people like that that inspire you to keep doing it even the content we get taught so male-based definitely I did a class last year yeah in my first semester second year 
It's called um, Music in the Long 19th Century. Mm-hmm. Um, or McClunk, as we all called it. And <laughs> McClunk. <laughs> <laughs> and basically we had... I'm just going to McClunk. Don't... Yeah, that's what we all called it, McClunk. Um, so... so we had like a PhD student teaching it as well as like a lecturer. And I think he he tried, bless him, to be, here's more women composers. So like at the end of each lesson, he'd do women of the week, which oh, is no. <laughs> the fact that that even had to be a thing. Like oh. that he couldn't have just incorporated that into the class. And it had yeah. to be like at the last two minutes, here's a profile of a women composer. I don't know why, but that kind of just makes me cringe a wee bit. Yeah. And, uh, but the fact is, like, no time was spent on it because I couldn't even tell you any of the names of those people that he spoke about. None of them stuck in my head. And we had one week, I think it was, like, maybe the eighth week or something, was titled Women in the Long 19th Century. And we spoke about Clara Schumann, Fanny Mendelssohn, and it wasn't even, like, about their music. It was just about their biographies, almost. This is their life, and it took 20 minutes. Like, the class was an hour. The presentation took 20 minutes. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we don't really have anything else to talk about, so you can go. Did you listen to any... Did you get to listen to any of the music? I think we got to listen to one of Clara Schumann's pieces that had originally been published under her husband's name. Oh, that's a whole other thing as well. Yeah, because that's how she, like basically was able to start publishing music was because Robert Schumann published it for her what what a nice thing to do exactly and even (laughs) then on top of that they every single composer we learned about was white I think the only time that think looking back on it now the only time that I learned about composers or composers and I want to say people who wrote music because not everyone who writes music says they're a composer so I you know I'm going to use that as well just to widen what I'm saying a wee bit generally not generalize it as such but um I think the first time that I learned about people who wrote music that weren't white was oh, I actually hate saying it was like the blues yeah jazz I think and- same and the slave trade, which, looking back, I just quite struggle with because I'm like, oh, that's that's appropriation at its best if you think about it. So yeah, definitely, and it's like it's not even like I think we shouldn't learn about that. Like obviously, we we should learn about the blues and you know the music of the slave trade, and obviously we should learn about all of that because that's all very important as well. But surely there's other places that we can learn about composers or people who wrote music in history that weren't white. Yeah. We did a class this just last semester called Ethnomusicology, which is like the study of different cultures in music. Oh, wow. That sounds um, really- it was really interesting, actually. Like, kind of did music from all over the world and we had like guest lecturers from like different countries and stuff that would be so interesting yeah but one of the essay my last essay basically this man had created these like terms 
that all music could be kind of organized by. Oh, like categorized almost. Yeah. So I was doing it on the universalism of music and can all music be called music and oh, stuff and like what defines music. Um, Cantometrics was the concept made by Alan Lomax, a white cishet man. But basically like, the issue with his characteristics he kind of used to label different music was that he didn't actually use a wide enough like base of music to create them. He used from cultures and groups of people he knew, like most of them were European. So there was like a lot of ethnic groups he didn't even like record or use. And one of the conclusions he came to was basically that you could figure out the like sexual constriction of a woman in a certain culture by the depth of her voice. I think I'm really summarizing that. But that was kind of what I got from it. And basically, the more sex a woman has, the more relaxed her vocal sound and timbre is. Okay, I never learned about that in biology. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, sure, go off, I guess. What, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I'd use the word sexual purity which he didn't particularly like he was like it's not that's not really the concept what we're talking about however I do understand your problem of a white male discussing the sexuality of women via their voice he's like I understand why you find that problematic wow (laughs) but yeah so that was something else Um, I remember because we got taught about it I was just like no Surely he's actually come to that conclusion mm-hmm. that you can tell it was kind of more to do with like celibacy or like cultures that kind of women have freedom to kind of sleep with whoever they want um or that's like kind of more just what happens in the culture right but the fact that he was the fact that that had to do with the tightness of your vocal cords oh <laughs> like what I suppose that kind of links into the sexualizing of just women in general. It's ridiculous. In the music industry. I just, I can't get over some things that I hear and I have heard, like, in the music industry on online. And I was just going to talk about um, that interview with Rihanna. I don't know if you saw it. I don't know. It was a few years ago. And this interviewer who was a woman just want to point that out she was like oh are we gonna see a certain Ashton Kutcher back out on the scene and Rihanna literally just went what a disappointing question (laughs) (laughs) like yes oh my god because Rihanna was like I want to talk about my music and then the I I don't want to say producer the person who was organizing the interview was like liaisoning between the press and Rihanna was like should we skip that question she was like absolutely why why was I even asked that yeah I was gonna say like a lot of the time female musicians they're like it's not their music that's talked about it's like their love life or what clothes they're wearing or who they're feuding with it's not actually anything to do with their music at all I know which is so upsetting because a lot of the time there's such thought and effort that goes in and there's just no appreciation like taylor swift's a massive example 
You're right. She gets, or she used to get slated all the time for writing like another love song about breaking up with an ex or like, oh, you've had, who's your new boyfriend? Why have you had so many boyfriends? And she's like, there was a quote from in a magazine or something where she was like, Ed Sheeran and Bruno Mars write love songs about breaking up with people all the time. And they're never questioned on who the song's about or why they've written so many breakup songs. She was like, yeah. and I channel some sort of part of my life into my music and it's not the music that's like critiqued, it's my life. Like why is Taylor channeling her emotions any different yeah. than um, man. man doing it? And then there's a whole thing about her producer and everything like stealing her music. Yeah, what was that about? Because I'm, I'm not like a massive Swifty. Um, <laughs> so I didn't really like follow because I know she's like released all like a lot of her old music like again yeah so she's called it um so she's released the same songs re-recorded called them Taylor's version oh so she lost her music I'm pretty sure and some of her music did get stolen so it was to Scooter Braun who you know did Justin Bieber and Basically, she lost the rights to her life's work because he paid a record label $300 million. And he, with that, acquired the masters to her first six albums. Six albums. And she accused Scooter of bullying her. And she said, never in her worst nightmares did she imagine this would happen. And then they, Hollywood Life interviewed a lawyer as well um, to see like how this even happened and how exactly it happened. So yeah, obviously when they say masters, they mean the original sound recordings, but I think that's that's pretty obvious. I think that kind of goes without saying. Yeah. The label generally, generally owns the copyrights, the original sound recordings, which they call the masters, as that is pretty typical because the label is paying to record them. They're putting the artists in the studio on pain to promote them. Sometimes later in the artist's career, when they become famous, they might try to buy them back, which is probably what Taylor tried to do. I think either way, something did not go, <laughs> did not go exactly right. Yeah. There, but um, Taylor's accused Scooter Braun of bullying and manipulating her and using his powerful position to damage her and a whole bunch of stuff. But um. I think basically what what it was is that from what I'm guessing, I haven't done all the research into it. So if I'm wrong, again, don't come for me. Luther Braun bought the masters for her, for all of her six albums, for the full, full albums. And I saw a tweet and someone was like, how come we aren't discussing the fact that Taylor Swift is about to earn all of her music all over again because she just released all the same music again and she's making all that money again proper queen move and I was like Absolutely. yes there was something I read that basically all the like male music executives producers sound technicians well like just studio like workers are all male so there's no kind of like female representation in there for women to feel comfortable and then because that they have this kind of like power amongst them and they know yeah. that it's going to be sided with them because they've got the power move. 
You know the band, is it Haim? Is that how you say it? H-A-I-M? Haim or Haim? One of the two. (laughs) One of the two. Um, I heard, I've listened to, I think, two of their songs, but I can't remember what they are. (laughs) (laughs) But totally stand them. They're amazing queens. Yeah. Well, basically, they had to fight, like, there was, they were playing a festival and they found out that they were being paid 10 times less than another male artist that their agent had linked. So they fired their agent because they weren't getting paid the same amount as, like, for the same festival. I love that they fired their agent. Oh, that's so did they give a reason why they weren't getting paid as much? Was there any um, sort of explanation? I didn't see. There wasn't like anything particular. I think they they didn't know that they weren't being paid, and then oh, they found yeah. out. I assumed that. Yeah, and then they were like, "Nope, <laughs> bye." Wow, and that's crazy as well because they're um, still quite a small-ish band you know they aren't multi-million you know what I mean like they're still quite up and coming yeah so that's yeah. a really bold move that's really bold and I'm so glad that they did that yeah to be left yeah. without because I suppose a lot of the time you could be like well we still need this representation to be yeah. signed to this really good kind of label or agent so we're gonna have to take that over having our freedom almost yeah, um, and they took their freedom. I think we'll round that up there, but thank you very much for joining me again. Oh, you know me. Anytime. It's great <laughs> having the chats. I know. I know. I love it here. <laughs> Should just make this the Laura Naomi show. Just start oh, talking about don't, our own you stuff. Know I would. You actually know I would. They'd be so long if we did that. I know. That'd be great. <laughs> I haven't really thought of one for this week, but is there a particular song that you're listening to at the moment? Sorry for throwing this straight uh, on you. Let me just go into my Spotify. I'm having a look in mine as well. There's been hmm. quite a few songs I've been listening to at the moment. Yes. Yeah, um there's been one. I my flatmate Emily, I love this. Loud places by Jamie XX. It's just been like playing in our flat the last like week. Um, oh, it's nice. our hype song. But hype actually, song. love it. My probably my favorite song at the moment or this week is "Take My Hand" by Scarevore. Oh, it's a really good song, and it's just like wholesome, and it makes you think about your friends. And it's mm. very happy. And it's nice with the sun being out more now. It's just a very like summery song. I've got a few. I'm just looking. I made a new playlist recently. So I, there's a song called YKWIM by the Yacht Club, like Y O T Club. Um, it's just kind of, I'm, oh my gosh, I'm going to be stealing your term. It's vibey. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and there's also Loving You by Thomas Hayden. Um, and then also, obviously, Kiss Me More by Doja Cat. Oof. That really, honestly, that's been playing in my flat because I've just been, like, heavy vibing to it by myself in my living room. Just 
busting some moves. <laughs> you know, she's the highest woman in the UK charts at the moment. Yes. With that song. But I bet there's only like one or two other artists. In yeah. Europe. She's number nine and number 10 is Ella Henderson with Tom Grennan. And that's oh, it. Wow. I just found out some of my marks got released. Oh. <laughs> Someone just messaged me being like, how did you do in the harmony? And I'm like, do you want to? Right, we'll end this now so Laura can go uh, check her uni marks. I know mine are, I've got one coming out like tomorrow or Tuesday and I oh, like, dear. I really want to know. But thank you for listening. Hopefully we didn't ramble too much or, no, we always do though yeah there'll be a lot of editing in this hopefully but, i'll be back soon yeah thank you, you for joining me. me just follow me on instagram or something i don't know oh just what's that instagram handle again uh, i don't know i think it's laura carter's music um it might be in the description of this episode it might not it maybe. might be and i might actually have content up there now which i didn't have before so you can go <laughs> check out some of her videos yeah yeah but yeah thank you for listening hope you all have a lovely week and i'll see you all next week with a new episode bye